We are Chris and Beth Bruno, and this is the Walking With Podcast. We lead a team of brave and brilliant story work counselors and coaches around the country, all committed to helping you come alive. Join us as we explore the sacred landscape of the human heart at the intersection of theology, psychology, and ministry. So can I ask how many books you've ordered this week so far? Oh my gosh. So we- No, really. I want accountability. No, no, no. I need to explain On the air, first. how many books thus far in the last seven days? Seven? Have you already ordered? It's, Too many. It's probably been, I Too don't many. know, maybe four or five. And in the past, in between- It's only been four or five. In between interviewing right now, CJ, have you already ordered the book he talks about? No, I literally that was just seconds ago when we got off with CJ. But you are that fast. I am that good. I am really that good. (laughs) It's a problem. I I, well, I do have to admit I have already ordered one book today. Yeah, that's just what I'm saying. And it's morning. It's not yet lunch. It's not yet lunchtime. (laughs) You're a bibliophile. I am. I have a problem, people. It's it's just it's a beautiful combination of curiosity and interest and your constant student so i just but at the same time i just how many books are you currently in currently in it's different than see i just want to notice i want everyone to notice that long pause that just happened there (laughs) so you you acquire books not always art ordering them you acquire them from the library you order them you borrow them yes so I, I have a problem with wanting to actually own them. You don't have that same problem, but I think the number of books around on your side of things is... Here's, I'll say this. This year I decided to keep track of books I finish on my notes app, and it's actually helping me like stay committed, stay the course. Do I want this book to be included in my list this year? Or could I care less? So wait, wait, wait. This is the books you've finished, not even the books you've begun or the books that are laying around. No, exactly. Because I want to change this year. I want to actually complete the majority of the books that I purchase. Oh, okay. Okay, this is off off course. Here's what we want to say is that CJ brings up a book in this interview. Wait, wait. Did you all notice the diversion? (laughs) All just notice the diversion away from where we were to now we're talking about CJ. So, okay, this week we are talking with um, our male therapist here in our Fort Collins office. And his um, one of his specialties is working with adolescents and teenagers. Um, and he just, he's been seeing a trend, a pattern in particularly the guys that he is interacting with. And what he brings is just, it's a great conversation. And the book that he uses is um, is probably already on your list. Is all I'm saying. Yes. So so fun to talk with him and just to get into his like brain space a little bit and to be challenged. Well, one of the cool things about CJ is that he is he is our adolescent specialist here, um, and he does work with both boys and girls, adolescents, and he's super fun and playful and has all that kind of stuff. And at the same time, he is an Old Testament theologian. And so there's these two parts of him that are just brilliant that he is so gifted in. And so we get to 
hear some of that in the conversation today. Yeah. So let's dive in. CJ, so great to have you back on the Walking With podcast today. Thanks for being with us. Yeah, it's good to be with you too. Thanks for having me. So some of the work that you do is with adolescents, but then a large number of people that you work with are adults as well. And so one of the things we want to talk with you about is some of that work with regard to adults and particularly with the men that you're working with. And so as one of the male therapists here at Restoration, just wanted to invite you into that conversation and have you offer some of the things that you've personally been seeing in the counseling room and then also reading up on as well for yourself. So would love to just dive in with that and maybe share a little bit of what it is you're seeing a lot of the guys wrestling with these days. For sure. For sure. Yeah. So, you know, and I would say that I, as I think about it, I, I see it with my adolescents too, especially, especially the males, but it, it does feel very gender specific and that has me curious, right, about why that would be, for sure. But one, one of the things I'm seeing a lot of is just this tendency for, you know, as, because a, a lot of the clients that, you know, I'm working with are coming from some sort of Christian background or at least some sort of Christian curiosity, right, about who God is, what it means that he's in relationship with us. And I'm seeing, I'm seeing a lot of specifically a, a relationship with God that is founded almost entirely on God, the father. Right. And it's like, there's this separation between the person of the father in, in the Godhead and the other two persons. Right. God, the son and God, the spirit. And so I love to just explore why that might be right with my clients, because I think there's a tendency to lean into God, the father specifically, because as, as we read the scriptures, as we engage, even just a historical understanding of how the church has understood God in a lot of ways, there's almost this like Jesus came to save us and God came to bring the wrath that Jesus came to save. And I, I've been reading a, one of my favorite old Testament theologians, (laughs) kind of a nerd (laughs) when it comes to, when it comes to old Testament theology, I know that's, kind of a strange niche to, to live in, but I live and breathe that world and love it. But there's a theologian by the name of Terence Fretheim, and he has written a book called The Suffering of God. And in the book, kind of his point is that we focus so much on metaphors of God that really only relate to one person of the Trinity, right? The Father. And we tend to neglect the other pers- the other metaphors of God that relate to more of his vulnerability and his aspects of his suffering, his emotion, his nurturing aspects of who he is. And there, there is this one quote that I've really been wrestling with because I see it all the time, right? 
in the clients I'm working with and even in my own story as I kind of understood and was making up my mind about who is God? What, how do I interact with him? How does he interact with me? Uh, and so I wanted to read that quote, if that would be yeah, cool. Yeah, go for it. Okay. Sounds great. So this is in his introduction. He says, if God is not the cause, and so he's, just for a little bit of context, when he says God, he's referring to God the Father, right, in this. Okay, so he says, if God is not the cause of all the ills in the world, God is still seen as the one who is to blame for not really doing anything about them. It is the goodness of God that is ignored, not the goodness of Jesus, right? So he's making a distinction. One can almost hear someone say, and this is, this is what I often hear my clients say, if only Jesus were here, he would do something about all our troubles. People often seem to have a view which suggests that God is friend uh, sorry, that Jesus is friend and God is enemy. An understanding of the atonement gets twisted so that Jesus is seen as the one who came to save us from God. Hmm. Right. So there's, I, I just, I hear all the time, this sense of Jesus needs to almost step in and save me from the father. Right. As if there is this, sharp distinction that almost Jesus is, is not God himself. Right. But this uh, sacrificial lamb, which he certainly is right. But that God had to somehow separate himself from right. In order to, to now have relationship with his people. And I think there's, it can get really twisted, right? When we, when we start to separate Jesus out of this, this relationship that he coexists with the father and with the spirit. And, and what I see with my clients in particular is just the sense of, especially because there's a lot of father wounds, right? In their story that they, they elevate the father in their life, meaning God, the father in their life and have, have trouble actually tuning into this, the nurturing, the, the forgiving, the, the motherly almost aspects, right. Of who God is. And that all gets put on Jesus rather than on the father or in, in this triune understanding uh, of God. So it's just a fascinating thing that, that I see and something that I think is really worth spending time in with, with my clients in session, if so they want to go there. Say, <laughs> when you say that your clients are elevating God the Father, is that that they're actually, you know, in, in our conversations, we're always talking about the intersection of theology and psychology. And so those are pretty much all the same thing in our minds here. So as mm -hmm. we're thinking yep. about God, the father and, and this, there is something in their stories that is needing God to be a good father. And yet their experience of him is, is the God who brings wrath. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yes. Very much. Right. And so 
for instance, I have, a, I have a client that, you know, comes from an experience where his father has been very much absent, right, from his mind, from his life, from his mind, from his emotional world, not tuned in, right, not nurturing. And so he can only see his behavior through a lens of needing almost this, this wrathful God to, to correct him, to, to get him back in line, right? That to, to sit with Jesus feels incongruent, right? It, it, he can't, he can't possibly imagine that Jesus could also be on the same level as, as the father or the spirit, because that, that would mean that Jesus has to also bear some sort of resemblance to the father, right? And to this, by, by creating a separation, he can, he can keep the wrath, the contempt, right? The criticalness of his view of the father kind of pouring in. It's just this kind of you open the spout and just, just let it run, right? And in that way, he can, he can remain divorced from, right, the, the other aspects, uh, the more nurturing aspects, the uh, more empathic aspects of what I believe he truly longs for and needs and can be given, right? Well, I, it's fascinating to think about the process of talking about and reorienting one's theology leads to a more integrated understanding of their story and their family of origin and where they mm -hmm. currently are stuck in mm -hmm. protecting from being hurt again, right? By, mm -hmm. by almost acting like this shield that any kind of nurture that I might receive, I'm going to deflect away from me. Just the parallel mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. that, that you see sitting there with the clients and you play mm -hmm. this role, this dual role, role in that moment of both pastor and, and discipler and theologian, as well as therapist and trying to integrate the two. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's fascinating. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, so one of the psychological terms that what I'm hearing you say is that many of the guys that you're talking with in counseling are in some ways reenacting the family of origin story in their relationship with God. That, and, and what I mean by that is that I, you know, in my family of origin story, I have come to know an angry punitive, correcting father who's trying to keep me in line, who has these rules and regulations that if I abide by those rules and regulations, I will receive from him some level of approval, some level of kindness, something, something from him that I, I get when I follow those rules. And if I don't, I get his wrath. That becomes in my family of origin story, I know how to navigate that world well. Mm -hmm. I know okay. how to be in that world because if I follow those rules, then all will go well for me. If I don't, then I'll get the wrath that I expect that I should receive. But to merciful, 
forgiving, gentle, tender, vulnerable Jesus into the story actually is disruptive because I don't know what to do with mercy. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to do with vulnerability. I don't know what to do with a kind father. I know what to do mm-hmm. with a wrathful father, but I don't know what to mm-hmm. do with a kind father. And what you're saying is that divorcing Jesus out into some other space actually creates a level of safety because I know what to do with an angry God. I know what to do mm-hmm. with my father. I don't know what to do with a merciful one. Exactly. Right. It's, it's just as Terrence Fretheim says, right. Jesus ends up saving us from, from God, from, from the father. Right. Which um, in many cases is also part of that reenactment where if there was a mother involved in that family of origin, she would have been probably some level of the savior of the child from the father. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's a reenactment of that um, story. Fascinating. Yeah, it's, it's really fascinating. And so I, I think one of the privileges of being able to be kind of all of what you just mentioned, Beth, right? A, a pastor, a discipler, a shepherd, a counselor, right? In, in the session with, with my clients is I get to almost personify in a sense, right? The a lot of them come for the judgment, right? For, would you please, I've literally had, <laughs> right? And Chris, I know you have too, right? Like, no, clients that just, like, just judge me, right? Tell, you know, tell me that what I'm doing is, is wrong. Tell me what I'm doing is, you know, pour, pour the contempt on, right? I need the contempt, right? And so I think one of the privileges is, we get to invite them to a space where they get to encounter something very different. Right. And it's, it's in my, and as, as we talk about reenactment, it's, it's a, it's a means by which we get to invite them to encounter the whole Godhead, right. In this sacred space, right. Not because I'm God, absolutely not, but because the space between us holds something really divine right really sacred and that space can hold those nurturing holistic integrated right it's 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 the it's the trinitarian ethos right happening within within the room in the person across from me myself in the space between and that's where I think so much goodness comes, right, in, in that space. Because I don't have to be the one that, that holds the contempt, right? They, they already hold enough <laughs> uh, as it is, yeah. right? So. Well, in, in the terms I was just using before about reenactment, I mean, basically, they're coming into the session or into the conversation inviting your contempt and inviting i've actually just like you literally had people say i know you're going to be angry with me so let me just get it out there right and then what you're saying is that there's a refusal when i'm not angry with them when i can say yes Mm -hmm. what you did was was wrong and Mm -hmm. there's there's more to the story let's unpack more Mm -hmm. and there can be mercy and generosity and, and tenderness with you 
it's almost a refusal to reenact because they're inviting you into the reenactment as well. They want the contempt from you just as much as they want the contempt from God. And so therefore they want to reenact that with you as well. And here is, as I'm thinking about this, you know, listeners to the walking with podcast are often people in ministry and find themselves Mm -hmm. in these very same places but I'm hoping the conversation today kind of elevates their minds a little bit to think about it in terms of how the actual dynamic between me and the person I'm leading or discipling or walking with currently is an invitation to reenact their trauma mm-hmm. and how we can actually, just like you said, CJ, be in some way different from, mm-hmm. yeah, you messed up. What are you going to do about it? You know, to be different from that and in, in instead offer the mercy of Jesus and the, and the tenderness of the spirit. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. And um, the nurturing sorry. of the, all of the aspects of God, who is also mm-hmm. the feminine, God, the mother, mm-hmm. and the nurturing mm-hmm. aspect of both God, the father and God, the mother yeah. as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think of the phrase disruptive kindness, that we use a lot here at Restoration, mm. and what a picture of that space within that you describe. Yeah. Well, CJ, Absolutely. thank you for just bringing your just your what you've been observing and your kind of nerdiness of theology to the <laughs> today because I think it's really it's and it's just been good to think yeah. about. Yeah, so good. One of the things, CJ, we're asking all of you team members at the end of this new series is over the last year and a half during COVID, what is one thing that you pursued or got into that you wouldn't have otherwise? Hmm, man. What is one thing I've pursued? I've definitely become a connoisseur of making Bread. I would say, no, not, not bread, but iced coffee, right? So not, not just iced coffee that feels too plain, but just doing my own cold brew. I, I have determined the exact ratios, the, I have, I have a, a recipe that I concoct. You have perfected Yes. That I have perfected on a weekly basis. And it's, it is actually, it takes a lot more time (laughs) than I initially thought it would, but I really enjoy it. And I don't think I would have gotten into that if it probably weren't for a COVID world. So that's with summer here. Right. Great timing. It's in full swing. So if anybody wants yeah. Some nice cold brew coffee. The office. I'd love to try your brewed coffee. Yeah. Cold brew. <laughs> so, uh, thanks for that's joining us. That's the first thing that comes to mind. There's probably many more. <laughs> that's a great for one. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for being here yeah. with us on the podcast. Of course. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Walking With Podcast. As always, if you'd like more information about CJ or us at Restoration Counseling, you can find out more in the show notes. I'll also put a link to the book that CJ talked about and who knows, maybe one or two of the ones that Chris and I are currently reading. We've got quite the stack. 
We so appreciate your loyal listenership. And if you like what you're hearing, would you take just a second to leave a rating or a review over on Apple Podcasts? Uh, We can't wait to talk with more of our staff this summer. So we'll see you same time, same place next week.